Welcome to the Mormon Medium Podcast, where we'll talk about spirituality, the paranormal, religion, and my journey in becoming a Mormon medium. I'm Nanette Ride. Thanks for listening. Now let's go have some fun. Don't be afraid. Hello, welcome to the Mormon Medium Podcast. We're your hosts, Brad and Nan. Today we have a listener ghost story, and we also have a listener question. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get on with it. it let's get on with let's it. Let's get on with it. Come on, you're, you're holding up on. time. <laughs> we really appreciate it when people write in with ghost stories like this. It's always interesting to see what other people are experiencing out there in the real world, right? And it's so exciting that people's gifts are just popping open and they're starting to really embrace their spirituality. I love it. Yeah. And today's story comes from a listener named Ashley. And Ashley, thank you so much for writing in and sharing your experience with us. We're super lucky because Nan wants to read this one today. <laughs> I love really good ghost stories. And this one gave me the chills. So um, Ashley is from Utah, and she went to Las Vegas to the Zach Baggins <laughs> to the Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. They decided to take a tour. Remember, you've been trying to get us to go there, and I'm like, no. Yeah, it, it looks super interesting. Um, and Britain went and said it was really cool. Yeah, Britain is our son, and Britain lived in Las Vegas. And he went to the Zach Baggins Museum yeah. and he thought it was cool. So the Zach Baggins Museum actually is filled with negative energy, things that like murderers had in their position, things that were used in murders. It has haunted things basically that this person has like gathered together and made a museum with. So remember, everything's energy and those items are going to be haunted AF, <laughs> which is why we haven't gone yet. <laughs> So Ashley's story begins with my husband and I went to Vegas for a getaway and went to the Zach Baggins Haunted Museum for a tour. I had been listening to your podcast and thank you for listening, Ashley, and thinking recently about how Nan had commented about something with her empath side. Well, I had been working on feeling my empath side and opening up that inner eye and feeling all the people around me, not just those close to me. I had previously seen only grandparents who have passed on, and I know how to keep bad spirits and feelings away. Okay, so where she's seen things, what is that? Oh, that's her clairvoyance. She's got some major clairvoyance. So that means from the story, she can see with her human eyes and her spiritual eyes, which is pretty cool. That's yeah, my gift that too. that is awesome. Yeah. So she said, I felt comfortable opening myself up since I had learned how to cleanse myself of negative energy and spirits, so I do not get attachments. Okay, we hear that that term a lot too, attachments. What does that mean? Tell me about attachments, Nan. Oh, that negative energy likes to follow you home because you're a light. You're you're like a, you know, the, the moth lights that you have out on a porch and it's big and bright and the moths come oh, The bug zappers. They zap them, yeah. You're a light and those negative energies, they will gravitate to you. So what happens if they attach themselves? Oh, lots of things can happen. I mean, they can alter your mood. They can just bring negativity into a room. They can 
give you ideas that aren't your ideas. Lots of things can happen just depending on what kind of negative energy it is. And in a place like this, I, <laughs> it could be pretty dark, really dark energy, Gotcha. which is why I don't want to go. <laughs> I, I well, mean, you know how to protect yourself. I know how to protect myself, but I don't know that I want to feel all that negativity. Got it. Do you know what I mean? Got it. So it's not so much that you're worried about attachments or anything like that. It's no. just that you don't want to have those emotions. No, I mean, look at me. I love scary shows and stuff, but I don't like stuff that where people get hurt or, you know, bad things happen. It really bothers my spirit and I have to just look away. So yeah, I am super sensitive like that. So yeah, I, I don't know that I would go to a place like this, but I mean, she has piqued my curiosity a little bit and she might make you all just pee your pants in just a second. (laughs) So she said, so we started the tour and I was feeling different things. So what's that? That's her clear sentience. She's feeling. Uh, it depends on what she was feeling. Well, she says, we entered the room where Zach owns the bed that Dennis Hoff died in and Lamar Odom overdosed in, as well as the robe that Dennis Hoff died in that was laying on the bed. Okay. So we had to do a little bit of research because we're like, who the hell Who's is Dennis, Dennis Hoff? Hoff? Yeah. <laughs> so Dennis Hoff was actually a brothel owner in Nevada. He owned several of them, including the famous uh, Bunny Ranch. He also, here's something interesting. So Dennis Hoff won a legislative seat in Nevada post-mortem. Posthumously. Yeah. After he died, (laughs) the voters in Nevada voted him into office. Hey, guys, your vote counts. (laughs) Pay attention. Oh, my gosh. Let's vote for a dead guy. So what had happened is Lamar Odom had actually overdosed in one of Dennis Hoff's. Who's Lamar Odom? Lamar Odom is a basketball player. He played that for is the why Lakers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He, an awesome basketball player. He was like, won the sixth man award. He was on the team when the Lakers won their championships. Great ball player. Anyway, he overdosed in one of Hoff's brothels. And there was a lot of controversy around that. When they found him, the prostitutes who were with him said, yes, we heard him snorting stuff in the bathroom. Odom says he didn't take anything. And then he came back and said, yeah, Dennis Hoff tried to kill me. So there's a lot of crazy controversy around the whole Odom thing. That's nuts. Well, it gets more interesting because a few years later, Dennis Hoff died in the same room. So supposedly in the same bed, even that Lamar Odom had overdosed in. So if he was part of it, maybe it's coming full circle. But here's something. Right. (laughs) And and as far as drug tests, the the test results, we don't know what Lamar Odom had, but apparently he said that his system came back with drugs in it. Um, But he had had a a long sordid history. Now, Dennis Hoff, he had marijuana and Viagra in his system. Um, Well, of course, he's he's at a brothel. And he's 72 years old with diabetes and obesity, probably. Probably needs some Viagra. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not going to judge, whatever. But but here's the really interesting thing. Guess who found him? Who found him? Ron Jeremy. Who's that? Ron Jeremy is a famous porn star. He's the one with the long, scraggly Uh, hair and the pot belly. What kind of people hang out at this place? Porn stars, prostitutes, and NBA players. Hello. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, Ron Jeremy is in the middle of this. Are you like a fan or something? You're like totally getting all excited about Ron Jeremy. Um, Because like one of my favorite playlists. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. This is your 70s porn music. Exactly. Okay. So um, Brad has been known to get really crazy 
And he loves to play 70s porn music as he enters a room and he will do a little dance and he thinks he is just the shit. Well, look, it's everybody so funny. <laughs> Everybody should have a walk song, a right? A walk song. So when I walk into a room, you know, I, that's that's how we do it. <laughs> and didn't they have like a huge party? It was like his birthday or something. Yeah, oh, yes. It, it was said that it was his 72nd birthday party. Crazy. So, That's so crazy. Happy birthday. <laughs> that sucks. Anyway, That's sorry to interrupt your story. I thought that would be uh, some important uh, information for people to know if they didn't know who those two names were. I seriously didn't know who either one of them yeah. were. So. so upon entering the room, I immediately sensed and then saw Dennis Hoff on the left side of the bed, and he immediately knew I was there and aware of him. What the shit? I have chills. Maybe he's just a horny old man. It's like, oh. Well, obviously, lots of Viagra. (laughs) I was on the right side of the bed and room. He watched me the entire time as the TV that gave this feel of what was in the room and what the haunted item was. Close to the end of the spill, he moved to the right side of the bed and closer to me. Okay, I I don't know that I'd stand there. (laughs) So him moving closer to me, I wasn't nervous, but I was curious. Okay, she's curious. But I was still reeling because I had never seen anyone except for my grandparents. I didn't feel anything negative from him. I felt curiosity from him. The tour guide opened the door to the room for us to move on, and I wanted to stay, and my husband pulled my arm. And as I turned, I felt someone blow past my ear. I automatically asked him if he heard that. She asked her husband if he heard that. He said no and was literally pulling me away from the room. I tried to stay and listen for more and didn't hear anything else. And I turned to see if Dennis Hoff was still there and he was gone. I went out to the tour guide and told her I heard something. She took me back in the room. Oh, that's cool. They they actually took her back in. Yeah, but then they tried to debunk her whole story with no luck. Like, why do they even have the museum if they want to debunk the ghost? Okay, look, here's the thing, Nan. Anytime you have a ghost story, you have to first try and debunk. Because literally, then it's everything. Every photograph that has a sun flare in it. Oh my God, it's an orb. You have to debunk. But is that what Zach Baggins does? Is debunks everything? I thought that he wanted a haunted museum. Well, he's kind of a... why, Why does someone that's working there want to debunk it? They should be like, rock on, that's so cool, right? Not like, let's go debunk it. Well, I I think that's the first step you always have to do is, Hmm. okay, let's see if we can debunk it. Is there an air conditioner in here that's blowing right through here? Is there, you know, a reflection on some glass from a TV? That's what I mean. Is there a reflection on the glass from the TV or is there something there? And then you go, oh my gosh, yeah, I don't see any way it could have actually happened. That's such a cool experience. So you have to debunk first because otherwise you're just going to believe everything out there and there's a lot of bullshit i i agree with everything else out there but i mean this is a haunted museum like it it just struck me as odd that the people running it would want to debunk it like remember when we went to the winchester mansion like they weren't trying to debunk the roses that we smelt no they they weren't but i think it's because we kind of debunked it beforehand and asked him the questions oh do they you know, put sense in here, the potpourri. We asked all those questions first. So I think it's important anytime you have some sort of a a paranormal experience to try and debunk it first, because otherwise 
it could be anything, literally. So you need to qualify those experiences. So I, I think that that gives them more credibility in my book that they would go, okay, let's see if we can debunk this first. Okay, so so when we go to the haunted places that we're going to go to in December and that we're going to record the podcast there, you're going to be de- debunking stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay, this is going to be fun. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, she says at the end of the tour, they recorded her story for a production. Oh, that's super so cool. So she's super famous too. Maybe. But that's that's creepy. I, it's so cool though. She felt stuff. She heard it. And she saw it with her eyes. So that's three of your Claire's right there. Honey, you are a little psychic medium. Yeah. Thank you for that story, <laughs> Ashley. And thank you yes. for uh, helping us understand who Dennis Hoff was. <laughs> we had no idea. <laughs> Famous politician. We should know. We know porn stars. Hello. Different industries, darling. <laughs> I guess so. Different industries. So if you have a ghost story that you would like us to read on our podcast, go ahead and send it in to info at the Mormon medium podcast.com. And um, we would love to read your ghost story. And we love to get spooked. We think it's so cool to see your gifts pop open and hear your experiences. And if you have any questions, please reach out and let us know. And we'd be happy to answer those on the air too. Yeah. Speaking of questions, you said you had a listener question this week. I do. Um, I had someone um, reach out and they wanted to know during a psychic medium reading, if they want to hear from someone specific, can we make that one person come through? And the answer would be no. Here's the thing. I'm not in charge of who comes through. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit type of thing. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind Will of you a, also give them something to cry about if they cry on your table? It, right? <laughs> give them a tissue. If you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. But I don't have control over who comes through. Spirit knows what you need, and it's always for your highest good on who comes through and what the messages are. And um, we can always ask. If the person doesn't come through that you want, um, we can always ask for that person to come through. And... I've had them come through most of the time and other times I have not had them come through. It's either they're busy or they're processing or maybe it's too close to the death um, or anything like that. But I absolutely have zero um, control over who is able to come through on a reading. I'm just the conduit to be able to give the messages and spirit is the one that's in charge. So if somebody really does want to communicate with a specific soul on the other side, is there anything they can do to help promote that or make it more likely? Really? Yes and no. I mean, you can get to a quiet space and ask them to be with you and ask them to come through and hopefully they will come through. But if they don't have a message for you, um, or maybe, you know, they're processing, like I said, um, that won't happen. So I don't really have a a straight direct answer because like you can, because they're going to be around you, but then for them to come through on a reading, sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. It's kind of a game. The other day I had a client who wanted to fill her husband and she, she had messages from other people in her family that came through and it was awesome, but she wanted to feel her husband who's just been dead a little while. And she just, she just wanted to actually feel him, not just speak to him, but wanted to actually feel him. And we were able to get her to a meditative point. And I just let her borrow my energy, which we held hands and she borrowed my energy because I could feel him. And then she, he just blended with her energy and she actually saw him 
felt him and heard him. Oh, that's amazing. She has those three clairs, right? But she's so deep in grief that it's hard for her to do that all on her own. So she just borrowed my energy to be able to sit with her husband and, and talk, which was really, really, really cool in such a sacred space to sit in. Brings a lot of comfort. You know, but yeah, absolutely would. I, I don't have I don't have all the answers. I'm still learning, but um, spirit always knows what is best for the sitter or the person wanting right. to hear from spirit. What valuable information, what a valuable skill to be able to know how to do like how life changing would that have been for you to, to know how to, to feel and, and to know Corey was right there. I would have given anything to be able to talk to Corey right away and get all my answers or just to feel him or be able to feel comforted by him. And, and honestly, he did come through anyways. Um, I think that he knew I was searching for those. I'm kind of like that little kid that's like, mom, 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 <laughs> like all the time. <laughs> so I, I think that he knew that I would be like that. And he was like, okay, I better show up or she's just going to, she's going to wreck heaven. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be no peace here if she doesn't stop. But it, it's an amazing thing. And, and, you know, I've had other clients that they want to hear from certain people, but other people come through and the messages are just awesome. And they're things that those people have to hear at the time. So it's, it's always trust spirit. It's always got your best interest at heart. Is there something that people should do to prepare before they come or do they just show up and whatever? It's not a big deal. I mean, should they do some meditation? Should they, you know, think of some questions? What is the best way for one of your sitters to prepare for a psychic reading from you? Maybe think about questions that you might have. I've had clients that had questions, but then they didn't tell me the questions and they just said them to the person that they wanted to hear from. And then the person relayed the answers to the questions to the sitter. And I never knew the questions, but they got the answers. So you can do stuff like that. Um, I think that adds an extra level of evidence to it as (laughs) well. Yes. And you definitely need that evidence, right? I I need to be able to know that this isn't just crap, right? (laughs) It has to be coming through and be truth and um, be something that is applicable to the person. So there's got to be a little debunking there. You know what? I I think, yeah. I mean, why not? I guess a little bit. Right. I've, I guess I've just come to the point, Brad, that I just trust what I get and I, I can't get in my head about it because I'll always second guess myself. Right. Right. So I have to just let the messages come. And I, right before I even get messages, I have to surrender my fears, my belief systems, my doubt, like all of that, and just blend with spirit and let spirit talk. So it's not about me, it's about them, and it's about me being a conduit, just like when I do energy balancing. I'm really good at moving energy, really good at it. And I'm just the conduit. The person doing the healing is the person on the table. Right. No, that so. makes sense. I think the the where the debunking is really important is to everyone else, right? Especially if you don't believe, well, you're going to try and debunk it. And if you can't, then you go, oh, wow, I have some evidence here. Right. Right. And I think that everybody wants that evidence when they go to a psychic medium, like you don't want like the generic stuff. Oh, they love you. Well, of course they love me. Like, or they miss you. Of course they miss me. But tell me details. Tell me a message from them or answer questions that I've had. I'm not going to tell you what they are type of thing. You know, um, I, I love that kind of stuff. I love when spirit comes through and just has lots to say. 
Yeah, that would make sense. I think you're in such a cool position to be able to do that and help people. It's super fun, but everybody can do it. We just heard of Ashley and she's got three of the Claire's. She can do it. <laughs> well, and I think that's something big to to hit on as well is, and you say it all the time, well, everyone can learn how to do this. Everyone can do this, but not everyone does. Why doesn't everyone do that automatically? I mean, especially in the Western culture, we're not taught to embrace this part of who we are, you know? These are our heavenly gifts. This is part of our spirit. And we should use these gifts because they keep us connected to spirit on the other side. They help teach us truth and teach us about our own power. And we are super powerful beings. So I think it's really cool. And we're cheating ourselves out of so much if we're not willing to at least listen to our gut instinct, you know, our solar plexus energy, our chakra there, you know, listen to it. Um, everybody does it. And I think a lot of people um, take it for granted, like, oh, I just had this gut feeling about this, but it's actually a chakra. And if it's blocked, you won't get it. You won't get that gut instinct. But um, we're all made wonderfully and perfectly. Yes, we are. Do you got some cards for us, Bradley? No, not yet. So because we're entering one of the best time of the year, me and Brad love Halloween. We love, love, love it. We love to dress up every year. We deck our house out and everything. I would love to just have a Halloween Christmas tree and just keep it up. But I asked Brad to start um, Deterra readings from his Murder of Crows deck. And it's it's a dark deck. It's, it's gray and black and white, a little bit of white. <laughs> but it's a very cool deck. And so all the way up until Halloween, we're going to start reading um, weekly from the Murder of Crows. What do our listeners need to know about for this week? What do they need to know to help their lives be more full. Okay, so the card for this week is the Ten of Pentacles. And the card has an image of two crows picking through some uh, debris on the ground and then a flock of crows coming in from behind them, or a murder a of murder. crows. <laughs> and the meaning of the card is all about how your tribe gives you strength. Um, and that as you sift through things from your past, you're going to find objects that are useful for others. So as you're going through things that have um, been trials for you, you can share that to help other people along the way. And it'll also help you to know who you are on a deeper level. And when you draw from those shared resources, the shared resources of your tribe or the flock or your murder of crows, uh, there's going to be enough for everyone. And a big thing about that is don't come at things from a scarcity standpoint. It's kind of like saying, well, if there are two psychic mediums in town, then we're just going to compete and there's not going to be enough for everyone. Shift that attitude to go, hey, there's two of us and there's so much work and it's needed because one of us couldn't deal with all of these people. So remember that abundance is there and there's enough for all. You just have to share those experiences, share that with others. Um, collective wealth, vast resources, legacy, inheritance, and reliance on community. I love that. And we have the best community. <laughs> and Nan will put a picture of this on the Mormon Medium Podcast Facebook page as well. So if you are curious as to what this card looks like, you can go find us there. And if you would like to start reading tarot cards, 
go to a metaphysical shop and look at some tarot cards and see which ones call to you. It would be really interesting to hear which ones you guys pick up on. Yeah, what decks do you find that are interesting to you? And share those with us on the Facebook page. That'd be super cool. It would be so fun. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you would like to get a reading or an energy balance with Nana, you can tap the link in the show notes and get right on her calendar. Or if you'd like to subscribe to the Mormon Medium podcast, go ahead and buy us a coffee because we love coffee. And you'll also get a tarot reading in your email. And when she says buy us a coffee, that doesn't really mean directly buy us a coffee. (laughs) It's the Buy Me a Coffee app, which is a way to support the show and help us continue producing content. We super appreciate all of you that do support us, that listen and take the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. And for all of your feedback, we love you all. And we hope you have a wonderful week. And we'll see you on the other side of the veil.